So you guys witnessed the trafficking of children involving our own tax dollars. And Project Veritas followed up on this for nine months. Scores of addresses the whistleblower shared from case files she worked on. What we found was shocking. Young children living with multiple older, unrelated men. And in one case from Gulf Freeway in Houston, Texas, a young girl who admits to her female sponsor using her for sex work. ¿Quién te patrocinó a ti? Te ofrecía qué? Pero ella, ¿cuántos hombres ella te obligó a estar con cuántos hombres? Bueno, con muchos. Porque no me gustaba lo que me ¿Ella de verdad fue, era tu tía o fue alguien que se... We all believed that the Unaccompanied Children Program was a family reunification program. I believed that I was going to be sending children to be with their families. Realizing that they were going to traffickers, I was just totally stunned. And I didn't think at that point I could hear anything worse until... Aaron's whistleblowing. When I saw that transnational criminal organizations were applying for and sponsoring these children, I, I, I just, I really couldn't believe it. ¿Y dónde está tu mami? ¿Y dónde está tu mami? ¿Y está sola en el apartamento? ¿Con quién? ¿Con su papi? Te obligaba a estar con los hombres. ¿Ella lo hacía en su casa o ellos te llevaban a otro lugar? No, en su casa. Porque no me gustaba lo que me hacía. Me obligaba. Number two, to find out it's done in an organized way. It's, uh, yeah, people don't want this to get out. HHS does not want this being talked about. This is not just an accident of government kind of stumbling through the problem. They built this entire thing the whole step of the way. You're saying that our federal government wants children to be slaves of oh, the American people? I'll say that clearly, yes. The latest revelations on the horrifying locations where unaccompanied minors end up and our federal government's direct involvement in that trafficking with the help of your tax dollars before the full interview with the DHS and HHS whistleblowers, a word from the sponsor of my coverage, Low Carb Protein Shakes. This amazing low carb is a unique, clean and delicious high protein solution. Each scoop has 20 filling grams of protein pasture-raised premium clean protein per serving comprising four premium time release proteins to fuel your body and keep you feeling full longer. Plus each scoop has only four net grams of carbs, accelerate fat loss, reduce unhealthy cravings, help build calorie burning lean muscle and more with this quality protein blend. My favorite part is the premium taste. Think about a smooth, cool, creamy shake from an ice cream shop. That is the same experience that you're going to get with this product. Curb nasty cravings with low carb shakes before their 51% off sale ends by going to the link down below, lowercarbswithivory.com. Plus, if you order now, you'll receive several free bonuses, including free VIP health coaching and two free recipe ebooks. Lowercarbswithivory.com. Hit that more button if you're on your phone. You'll see that link. You won't regret it, guys. All right. We have heard in the news about the countless unaccompanied minor migrant children coming into the U.S. We hear in the news about them crossing the border. But then what happens to them? 
once they're in the U.S. We don't really hear about that so much. So this story that is currently being exposed, involving our own federal government, is really stunning and horrifying. Uh, today, I'm honored to be joined by Tara Rodas and Aaron Stevenson. Uh, they are a DHS whistleblower and HHS whistleblower. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ivory. So you guys witnessed the trafficking of children involving our own tax dollars. And Project Veritas followed up on this for nine months, recorded these children actually admitting they're being trafficked for means including sex slavery, apparently. I want to get into the details of, of how you guys identified what was going on but i want to read um from your your fact sheet you compiled tara um because this part was really stunning to me it says between september 5th and 13th of 2021 it says quote i made four protected disclosures two protected disclosures to the office of inspector general for the u.s department of justice and two protected disclosures to the office of inspector general for the department of health and human services i disclosed that smugglers and child traffickers to include a sponsor who confirmed transnational criminal organization affiliation in the uh, mara salvatrico or ms-13 hollywood click were exploiting the hhs uc unaccompanied child program and putting vulnerable children at risk. You said here, quote, HHS learned that I made the protected disclosures and swiftly retaliated against me. On September 15, 2021, I was taken off of this MS-13 case. On the 16th of that year, I was discredited in writing to stop giving detailed case information to law enforcement to include HHS uh, Office of Inspector General, Homeland Security, investigations and ice then on the 21st of september 2021 i was falsely accused of violating the code of conduct i was threatened with investigation i was escorted off of eis by security and the hhs federal field specialist and my badge was taken this is stunning this is after the federal government asked for federal employees to volunteer to help with intake of these children who are coming into california you're a current federal employee still, but you were booted off of this case. Tell me about how you uncovered what was happening. Yeah, well, Ivory, what is really amazing is that when I volunteered, when this administration requested volunteers from across the entire federal government, some really amazing people stepped forward alongside of me and we volunteered. We wanted to help. We all believed that the Unaccompanied Children Program was a family reunification program. I believed that I was going to be sending children to be with their families. And they needed some volunteers in case management. And I served in case management. And it didn't take um, just a couple of weeks to be like, what is really going on here? Why do the IDs not match with the addresses that these that the sponsors are sending in? Uh, why is it that there's multiple sponsorships at one address? Why is it that a person is sponsoring multiple children? And so we turned in, in less than three weeks, the first uh, case of what we called suspicious sponsors and had no idea ever 
that one child had ever been trafficked through this program. And someone then, after we had found like the third case of these weird, what we were calling red flags, uh, sent us the congressional hearing back from 2016. And I learned that they knew that children were being trafficked through the program. And it was like the floor dropped out from under me. I couldn't believe that they would know. And then allow, you know, just processing these kids, move these kids 10 to 14 days, 10 to 14 days, and uh, realizing that they were going to traffickers. I was just totally stunned. And I didn't think at that point I could hear anything worse until someone sent me Aaron's whistleblowing at Project Veritas. And when I saw his video and saw that transnational criminal organizations were applying for and sponsoring these children, I, I, I just, I really couldn't believe it. And so we started looking and in less than two weeks, we found the first case and yeah, they definitely did not want that to get out. And I was swiftly, swiftly retaliated against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Things, yeah. People don't want to hear about child trafficking, number one, and then number two, to find out it's done in an organized way. It's, uh, yeah, people don't want this to get out. HHS does not want this being talked about. So I have to give great kudos to my good friend, Aaron, for coming forward. Okay, Aaron, you were just mentioning how you and Tara kind of connected the dots on uh, you, both of your stories were par- part of this puzzle piece to understand how this happened. So, so take me through how you guys connected that. Um, well, so I didn't know Tara, obviously until I saw her video on Project Veritas and they, they hyped it up like a day or two prior. And I was like, I was looking forward to it because I was like, Oh wow, this should be a good one. This should you know be kind of cool. And um, when it, you know, she comes out and it says talk about child trafficking. Um, I called the journalist I was working with and I was like, please tell me this was in relation to what we did like a year ago. Like this, you know, I, I wanted to obviously tell the American people, but I also wanted to throw a flag up for somebody out there who was there to be able to go like, Oh, what's actually happening over here. And then he said, like, yeah, it was. And like, she wants to talk. So we met in uh, Arizona um, at that Project Veritas. Um, the, uh, it was at the Turning Point Convention. And it was, you know, it's like meeting family almost with Tara. She's a great person. But um, so we met up, we talked, and we talked for hours. And I was just, I asked her, like, you know, tell me everything, please. Like, give me the entire story. I want to know the details, how it all works. Like, what, your, what are your thoughts on it? What do you think happens next? Like, everything. And then we just kind of went back and forth, just having a long conversation. And that was like throughout the entire weekend. And so when I, um, when we left, I was just kind of like, you know, during the travel, I was thinking about like, what more could this really be? So I just started looking into the program itself um, that HHS has built up over time. Uh, The laws, the policies, the field guidances, everything. And we just came to realize like, wow, this is actually built. It's definitely built in a fashion, but it's like, you can see like every move along the way as long as when it happens, the intent of this is like, it's, it's, I mean, how do you say, I don't know, nefarious, it's definitely evil. There's a lot of weirdness to it where this is not just an accident of government kind of stumbling through the problem. They built this entire thing, the whole step of the way. You're saying that our federal government wants children to be slaves of the American people. I'll say that clearly. Yes. Um, So I blew the whistle on, Again, because I saw I saw this happening by um, transnational criminal organization encounters, like so aliens who were on the talk watch list, 
I would see them um, a notification come through that their fingerprints, you know, were for unaccompanied children. And that's how I first saw it. So I didn't understand the size and scope of these things. I'm only looking at it through a lens of looking at bad guys. Well, there's a lot more kids than bad guys. So when I talked to Tara, and then I also got in touch with other case managers, and we've been talking about these things. Um, yeah, definitely, because you can look on the news still, and you will see that there's constant trafficking rings getting busted up. Um, it, the the labor trafficking is uh, probably about four times bigger than sex trafficking. Not that either one is any worse off than the other, but it, there's definitely a lot of industry that requires, you know, not only cheap labor, but slave labor to be able to operate, to keep costs low. Like it, you can get into this by a lot of different ways. Um, Tara, if you want to expand on that, I'm, I'd love to hear it too. But hold, on, hold that before it goes to oh. Tara, you made a mm -hmm. really bold statement saying that our federal government wants foreign children to be the slaves of American people. So I, I mean, can I, let me clarify this to explain it pretty easy. So the Southwest border is where this all occurs at. Okay. All, all the kids come across be the Southwest border. They're all coming from either Mexico or Central American countries. So that border is wide open for people. Like you can walk through no problem. Border patrol goes out and they find you. They have things called like, yeah, they, they, they the agents there know because I've talked to them as well. They will just give up. And like, yep, yeah, call the border patrol. We're close enough. They'll come save us. And then we'll go to CBP. We're there for a few days. Then we go to, you know, they, they understand the game. But try to do the same thing with like manufactured goods. Try to get cheaper pharmaceuticals in the country or, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables. You're not going to. That is a very, very controlled process. So it's, you're not able to be able to have, you know, basically things enter the country where one of them is people and it's just free flow and go. And the other one is, I mean, just every step of the way it's controlled. And if you look at a different way to bring children in the country called international adoptions, that program to do that, that takes years and thousands of dollars for an individual to be able to adopt a child. You go through, I mean, tons of background checks that are uh, properly done by licensed organizations. You have multiple um, uh, government bodies looking into it. And that's not just the United States. You also have central authorities in other countries involved as well to make sure that you're legitimized. There's a lot of things that go on with that. And that's why those numbers have been just bottoming off for a long time now. But these unaccompanied children, it's the opposite. It's skyrocketed. It's increased 846% in the past 10 years. 128,000 kids just last year came through this program. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a recruitment going on in these countries. It, I mean, again, Tara can really get into this, but definitely. We, there's a, a necessity to, to bring them in. And I, it's... <sighs> You hate to think about it because, you know, these are children and it's evil, but you, you, there's no other way to look at it besides what the facts portray themselves as. Yeah. So. Okay. So, Tara, do you think that this uh, is there? I mean, what's motivating our federal government to pawn these children off to strangers who want to use them as slaves for either labor or sex? Uh, is there a financial incentive or what's going on? Well, I think there are some good people who are well-meaning, who believe that this is a family reunification program, just like I did, right? Just like Aaron did. And I know there's there are some people out there who believe that. Um, the challenge is, is they're not looking at the big picture or, as Aaron said, watching the news. So in the last week, 
you may have seen that one more than 100 migrant children were found by the Department of Labor working graveyard shifts in slaughterhouses across the country. Okay, this isn't the first bust like this that has happened. As a matter of fact, in 2016, what led to them finding trafficking in this exact program was there were teens who were in living in squalor conditions in a trailer on an egg farm in Marion, Ohio. So it's not like they didn't know this was going on. It's just that the bust will be by the Department of Labor and therefore HHS is not implicated. But I think the easy way to think about this um, is if you're drug trafficking, you have a product that's that's one time use. Right. And this, so people are bringing the drugs across the border. They lose a lot of their I'm going to call it product at the border. And then they have to use a lot of their money to distribute the product. But a child, that's not how it's working because of the billions of dollars the government is putting into the program. Once they get the child to the border, the government takes them. And this child, we then with government dollars fly to the end user. And it is not for a one-time use, Ivory. These children are assets for these people. And they have residual income off the life of that child. Residual income. So every day they're sending that child to work, they're, the, the traffickers are making money. And when they are using these children, boys and girls, for sex, every time they turn a trick, and some people tell me it's 30 to 40 times a day, they can use these children. It is residual income and people need to open their eyes. I mean, I can only just tell you that if anybody would have told me this two years ago, I would have dismissed them and been like, okay, you need to get your feet back on planet earth. Um, but I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen children, I've seen in their faces, I've seen them screaming for their parents. I've watched them have um, panic attacks. I mean, we have medical personnel on the site. We've had kids had to be on suicide watch. These children don't know where they're going. And I'm not the only one saying this. Uh, people from the transportation company, MVM, they've had whistleblowers come forward and say, you know, as we're taking the kids, the kids are saying they don't know where they're going. This is not new news, but HHS does not want it to get out. And it's been going on a very long time. And it's it's unconscionable and it's unacceptable. These are children. This is not a political issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is not a Republican issue or an independent issue. These are children. In the bus last week, there were children who were middle schoolers, middle schoolers working in slaughterhouses around dangerous equipment. The U.S. can do better. We can do better. This is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah, I saw you linked this uh, this whistleblower from the MVM transportation company talking about when they're dropping these kids off in the darkness of night, as was somewhat covered last year. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, these kids don't know who this person is the, mm -hmm. that they're getting dropped off with. Now, how does the government decide? where to what stranger across the nation to fly these kids to at midnight well 
the kids come across the border with names and phone numbers. So when they're encountered by Customs and Border, they usually have a name and a number of someone they're going to. And then once they're transported to HHS, because custody is then turned over to HHS, HHS takes that information and begins calling the numbers that are given to them. So it's not like HHS is talking to someone in home country, verifying that this is the person's parent, because they never see them. I think this is another thing people don't understand. Aaron brought up a really good point about international adoption. There are tons of checks and balances in place, and it takes a long time. But the federal government is transporting a child to a person they have never seen using documents that have been sent to them, like photographs of documents by WhatsApp. They're sending them documents. Wait, who's sending who documents? So sponsors will be sending the case manager who's responsible for looking into who this supposed sponsor is. So that sponsor will send in documentation to a case manager who is not a law enforcement professional. They are not an expert in what is a fake document or not. They're not experts in foreign government identifications. So, you know, it's just a regular person. Many of the case managers, this is the first job they've ever had is placing a child with someone. Uh, That sponsor does not have to give information that they or provide any information that they can financially care for the child. The home is not seen. Uh, It's a very, very small percentage of cases between three and six percent of children that ever get what's called a home study where someone actually lays eyes on the home. So for example, when I was at the Pomona Fairplex emergency intake site, we sent over a thousand children to Texas, not one home study, not one. So that's more than a thousand kids processed in less than six months and not one person ever laid eyes on those homes. Now just to drive this point home really quick, last year there were 128,000 some odd, um, children that were taken through this process of unaccompanied, you know, or the sponsor program, there was 1,785 international adoptions. Every international adoption received a home study, a verified in-person one. The home studies done by the sponsors when they were being done also a lot of times are virtual. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, go on FaceTime, kind of just show it around really quick. It, it, it gets very, very dark of just how this program has been built up. So, I mean, it sounds like there's just a lot of negligence and laziness uh, amongst the the government employees. Well, they're Um, not government employees. Also, a lot of these people are contractors. I think the overwhelming majority actually are contractors. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And when Project Veritas went knocking on doors, like you shared in the beginning, Ivory, they had a person, one of the children who was in Texas, say they had to quit school, right, in order to be able to pay their debt to the cartel. Uh, One of the girls you had mentioned, you know, 16 years old, being pimped out by her aunt. So her sponsor is her supposed aunt. And the girl says, you know, I I don't know if she's my aunt or not. I've never met her. She tells me she's my aunt, but she's pimping me out for sex. So this is this is unacceptable. This is, it's absolutely unacceptable. 
Yeah, the kid doesn't actually meet the sponsor or be with the sponsor in the same room until HHS gives away custody of that child to that sponsor. That's the first time that they actually have contact with each other. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't believe it if I hadn't seen it myself. Honestly, I could not. I could not believe that the federal government having custody of a vulnerable child, a child turns this child over to an unknown person at an unknown location with no verification that this individual for sure is related to the child or will care for the child, especially when they already know and have known that children are trafficked through the program. So it makes no sense. So if you know children are being trafficked and you have a surge, you should clamp down and make it very, very difficult for a child to be released. But what did this administration do? They said, we're, we're, rele- we're relaxing the rules. We're not going to require these background checks. We're not going to require all kinds of stuff so that we can move these kids as quickly as possible. So they're looking at a spreadsheet and, and we're looking at faces of children. And it's, it's horrifying. I, I, this is horrifying. So do you think that's what motivated them to discipline you is that they just, they wanted to keep the process flowing. And if you, you know, said, hold up, I'm discovering things, then that would slow things down. Well, I, yes, it would slow things down. That's for sure. Right. Um, And the other thing is, is so long as I was just reporting the trafficking, because we had one huge case in Houston where there were over 300 children in a three square mile. Um, so those things were being put forward. Because you had you had the addresses of where these kids were going. Yes, yes. We I found apartment buildings where we had 40 kids. Uh, and then on the block where there's four apartments on the block, you've got 40 in one apartment. You've got 30 in another apartment building. I mean, in the building. So you have 109 kids within walking distance of each other. This just doesn't make sense. But when it came down to its transnational criminal organizations, that that was the line. That's what they did not want getting out. And they told me, they're like, you recognize that you have caused stuff to hit the fan by, you know, talking about this case. And I said, hey, all I'm doing is giving you the facts. This is, these are the facts you all decide. But that was just too much. They, they, yeah, they don't want it to get out that- how did you discover that it was the address of an MS-13 member that you were sending a kid to? So the case manager, who was very, very smart, um, you know, we distributed, I had distributed Aaron's video around to our background check team and to other case managers. And this case manager came to me and she said, Tara, you know, you told us that this could be happening and they're ta- this sponsor keeps talking about gangs. It's making me nervous. I've had four or five conversations and she's female, had four or five conversations with this female sponsor and she's mentioned gangs multiple times. And, you know, I really, I really kind of want you to look through this case. And so, you know, I said, well, we need to find, you know, we need to find out if, if, if this is true or not. 
And since our background checks aren't international, no one working on the background check is a law enforcement officer. It's not like they're looking at NCIS, uh, you know, or any of the real techs or anything like that. They're not looking at real stuff. So the my case manager was able to get the sponsor to self-disclose. And then when she self-disclosed and sent her adjudication paperwork, she had served time in prison uh, for her activity with the gangs. I then looked at the, the birth certificate of the child and looked up the dad and uh, her partner. And he had been reported by the attorney general of El Salvador uh, for his high ranking membership in the Hollywood clique. So it, it was clear and convincing and obvious but they did not want that to get out. And I'm sure they still don't. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she self-disclosed, but Aaron, because he's seeing these things coming through all the time, he's got lots of examples and it's very yeah. concerning. And um, it's not, by the way, just like Central American uh, criminal organizations. One of the notifications that came through, it was actually, um, he was a Romanian guy out of a Romanian organization. And it's important to understand this too, that watch list at the time, and I'm still, I'm pretty sure it's still pretty close to this number. It's capped at 40,000. Like there is a very, very small amount of people on this watch list. And at that time also, if if you were um, an alien who, you know, is, is on that watch list and then you're gonna get deported and you make a claim for like asylum and defensive asylum and I need to get, you know, and you're you get, talking about you, the the our federal government's terrorist watch list? No, no, this is not the terrorist watch list. The terrorist watch list has no cap. That thing oh. is like over a million identities. The transnational organized crime watch list or the talk watch list, that thing had a cap at 40,000. And if you're a criminal alien and you're getting deported and you make your claim for defensive asylum, you were taken off that watch list even before you were granted the asylum. So just by saying like, whoa, whoa, don't deport me. You know, if, if you send me back home, I'll be in a lot of danger and yeah, I could be harmed. They would take you off this watch list. So the actual amount of transnational criminal, you know, aliens that were sponsoring kids is, is completely unknown. It is underreported. No one's going to know about that by the way that they were handling this watch list. Um, I came across, I mean, I came across, uh, I think it was eight by the time the story came out. And it was 12 by the time I went public on a different thing. So this is a lot in a very, very short time frame. And the, the concerning part as well is I checked every record we've ever had because this talk program has been going on since the Obama administration. It's, it's not a brand new thing at all. There were no attempts to sponsor a child before this. It didn't start until February, 2021. And that's when I started seeing all these things happen. And again, it's not just MS-13. What yeah. didn't start until February 2021? Transnational criminalization sponsoring children. That that there's no there's no evidence of that ever happening until February 2021. I had every single uh, encounter of every single talk um, talk alien, and it, there was none. So are are they? Um grabbing these kids in their home country and taking them or are parents willingly se sending their child off thinking their kid is going to a better life or what's happening? All right. So um, a bit of both. 
Um, but as far as what you said in that latter part with the, the, are the parents willing to, there may be a willing attempt, but it's under false pretenses. And that's the part of trafficking because it takes, you know, coercion, um, recruitment, it takes a, a lot of things to be trafficked, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, organizations will go, to, go down there and tell these, you know, a very, very poor family, like, hey, um, that kid you got is a, yeah, that 14 year old, he's a stud. He's a, he's a great worker. Um, he's making, he's making pennies down here, you know, on the day. He comes to work for us in the States, you know, he might make six bucks an hour though. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot more money that he could send back to you guys. Mm -hmm. So how about you like, let us take him up there. And, you know, once he pays off his debt for that, then he can start sending you guys money and they get talked into this thing of like, okay, this can happen. Um, and uh, it gets worse too, because then a lot, a lot of these occasions, these cases, they'll take like the deed of that family's land and say, we're going to hold this as collateral though, just to make sure that like it all works out make sure that, you know, once that debt's paid, then of course you can get your land back. And they, they never do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, then they send the kid up. They they take all his immigration paperwork once he gets through. So now the kid can't go anywhere with anything. And he is a straight up slave. Yep. So. Yeah. And to, to Aaron's point, we have absolute evidence. Four of the children who came through our, um, through the program while I was there at the Pomona intake site, we had a guy who uh, is Guatemalan living in Austin, Texas. This guy from Guatemala owns a coffee farm in Guatemala. His wife is on the coffee farm back home in Guatemala. She is overseeing children who work on that coffee farm. Those children said all of them separately in separate interviews. So like they couldn't be contaminated. Their interviews couldn't be contaminated. They were all interviewed separately all four of the children said they were making $2.50 a day on the coffee farm in Guatemala and then were promised when they came to the United States, they would make $6 an hour working for the sponsor in Texas. These kids believed they were going to be Bill Gates rich. They really did. They had no idea that they were going to be slaves of the sponsor. They didn't know. Now, fortunately, we, by this time, when we had seen this case in Austin, we were aware of all of the flags. We turned it in properly to Office of Trafficking in Persons. They put all these children in long-term care, and hopefully these children will be able to, you know, live a normal life and not live as slaves. Yeah. Wow. So mm -hmm. they cared. Okay. So the government cared about those kids. But then you got disciplined for trying to protect other kids. Yeah. Well, once once it got to transnational criminal organizations are sponsoring the kids, that was the line. I mean, that was the line. They they did not want that to get out. They just you know, they don't want Aaron's information to come to light. They don't want to have to look at, hey, we had seven people who were fingerprinted at this particular place. They all happen to have popped up on the on the talk and nobody's doing anything about it. We're just releasing the kids and we know they're criminals. I mean, we know they're criminals. So this was another shocking thing I learned. Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to other uh, DHS whistleblowers and this is Jason Piccolo and he was working for DHS's uh, human smuggling cell. And he wrote this in 2015. Okay. 2015. He said, in the summer of 2015, while I was working at HSC, which is the human smuggling cell, I discovered some disturbing information that changed my life forever. 
we're releasing kids to criminals. That is 2015. And thank God for Senator Grassley, who helped him bring this story to light. But it's shocking. HHS knows, the government knows, and they are not doing what needs to be done to stop it. Wow. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to get answers. The media doesn't seem to pursue answers. In fact, when I was in with the corporate news, uh, that was the case. Uh, When we found out, you know, working in Houston, where I still live now, but I was based in Houston for Fox and became aware that there were two Catholic charity shelters that kids were being brought to uh, after crossing the border. But nobody knew where these shelters were. They were somewhere in Houston. They were they were secret um, office of refugee resettlement was hiding the location of these shelters. And then once the kids left the shelters, it's who knows where the kids go from there. But we can't check. Nobody can check on the condition of these shelters. What's happening to the kids there? And uh, you know, and I tried to get to the bottom of it checking with Catholic charities and the government and came back to my boss and said, this is really fishy. And my boss said, Ivory, Ivory, drop it, drop it. They're keeping it secret to protect the kids. I said, if there's no transparency, these kids aren't safe, (laughs) but that's our media and media bosses across the country seem to feel the same. Just trust what the government and these, these NGOs are doing. And then, you know, you go down to the border. I went down to the border. Mm-hmm. I watch DHS, Border Patrol, traffic people in and then put them on planes. And I'm asking where, you know, how are you determining why, you, you know, this person should actually be brought in and where are you flying them? Where are you flying them? And they're like, oh, that's just something we can't disclose, you know, total secrecy yep. yeah, about what's going on. And I, I feel like I was one of the very few media members who actually even asked because it's, there's so much just trust, just trust the process. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at the news of how many children are showing up in slave labor and in sex trafficking schemes. And then you, hmm. We have to say, now, wait a minute, what's going on with this? How, how is this, you know, how is this possible? How is it possible that a hundred children are working in slaughterhouses around dangerous, you know, they crush bones and saw bones and do all these things. How are all of these kids working in slave labor? And yet, oh, nope, nothing to see here, friends. Right. And then, so can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. So Tara, so those hundred kids that, you know, thankfully got rescued, what happens to them now? Well, Aaron, that's a great question. And it has a sad answer, actually. Every one of those children who is an unaccompanied child will go back into the care of HHS to, so they are taken back into the program and then HHS will attempt to find another sponsor for them. Wow. Yeah. Another stream. That, that, that's why I say they want this thing to happen. This is a, this thing has been completely constructed. 
And there's a lot more steps in this process. There's a lot more fine details. There's field guidance, which like, you know, supersedes policy guidance, which kind of skirts around other law. The whole thing is intentfully uh, constructed. It's, it's meant to exist. So have you guys, uh, you know, uncovered um, any new developments? Well, I'm, I, I saw a video from you, Tara, talking about um, that there's now some action being taken, um, hopefully to resolve this. What's the latest? Well, um, Texas has some human tra- trafficking folks who are on, who are on this. Um, Florida is is seriously going after this. And I've had the opportunity to talk to some prosecutors there, the attorney general, Ashley Moody and, and governor DeSantis, they, they do not want transnational criminal organizations operating in their state, nor do they want children being trafficked in their state. But uh, they're not even on the Southwest border, the main location of the problem. Right. But because you heard about the kids being flown all around the country in the middle of the night, right? The kids are everywhere. And I think that's what people don't know. Hundreds of thousands of children have come into the care of the federal government and the government has distributed hundreds of thousands of children around the country. I mean, the when I read through the um, article, those hundred children were found in multiple states to include Minnesota, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, we have, Aaron and I both had the privilege to speak to someone, a representative in Utah. They're very concerned about it now as well. So it's, it's all over the country. And the solution is simple. The, the solution is simple. The legislators simply need the information that HHS already has, which is who are the sponsors? Just tell us who the sponsors are, what their addresses are, because they have them. They have all of their information their photo IDs and what children went to them. All we have to say is, Hey, are the children safe? But they are not willing. They're not willing to go there. Children are missing. Well, how can children are be missing when you can simply go knock on the door of where the child is supposed to be? If I'm the governor of one of these States, I don't believe the federal government has the ability with complete secrecy to be giving children to criminals in my state without me knowing about it. And it's this is done with total lack of transparency, which is why the program is a mess. HHS has lost control of the unaccompanied children program. They just need to admit it. They need to come forward. They need to come clean. They need to let law enforcement look at the data. There are professionals like Aaron and others who can in five minutes say, yep, we need to go knock on these doors now. These are children, small children. We, uh, we, we need to do better. Wow. And hopefully somehow this information can get back to the parents of these kids in their home countries so that the actual parents can just protect their kids to begin with yes. and not send them away. Yes. Yeah. This is heartbreaking. And I really appreciate you guys coming forward about this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, seriously, Ivory, for shining a light on what is sadly, it is government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. That's what we're looking at. So we really appreciate you so much. 
Well, thanks so much for what you guys are doing. Keep me updated on this case and hopefully we can shed more light on this uh, in the future and protect some kids. All the best to both of you guys. Thank you.